April 2015. American Denise Pika Theme 41 vanishes while hiking the famous Camino de Santiago in northern Spain. After many months and endless searches, Denise's body is discovered and her killer caught. What led someone to murder an innocent woman travelling solo on one of the most popular trails in the world? Sources for this episode include Arizona Central, El Pais, The Local Spain, The New York Times, NPR, The Camino de Santiago.me and followthecamino.com. Hi guys, welcome back to episode 67 of Unknown Passage, a podcast that tells the stories of those who have gone missing or been murdered abroad. Second time I'm recording this intro because every time I do, Yoko goes and just makes noise with the kitty litter but doesn't do anything in the background. So I think she knows what she's doing. So because the last episode was kind of a mini one, I'm doing another episode this week for you guys. It's a case I've wanted to do since since pretty much the start of this podcast. And I thought now's a good time as any now that it's cooled down a bit and things are a bit back to normal. It's crazy how one day in Australia you're at the beach. I went to the beach yesterday and I got pummeled. I thought I was going to be the first person to drown like on the sand of the beach. But you're sweltering and it's unbearable and you feel sick from it. And then the next day you've got two doonas on your bed. Sorry, a doona in Australia is like a duvet in other parts of the world. So for this episode, I'm going to be speaking a little bit quieter than normal um, because it's a bit late and I really don't want the girl who lives underneath me to come up and go ape shit. Not that she ever has, but there's a first for everyone. <laughs> so there's not really much to get into before I get into this case, so I might as well just get into it. Now, I want to dedicate this episode to a good friend of mine who's also kind of a boss of mine, colleague of mine in Spain. Um, her name is Naira. Now, I've been working for her company for about three and a half years, going on four years, I think. I think that's right. And um, she's just become a really good friend and she listens to the podcast. Um, her English has gone from really basic when I first kind of emailed with her, when I first worked for the company, to amazing. Like when she writes things, I don't even have to correct anything. So she's so incredible. Um, and she's just a really lovely girl. And so when I started this podcast, Naira said to me, she emailed and said, do you think you could do the Denise Pika theme case in Spain? And I put it on my list, but it's only now that I'm getting around to doing it. So I had to email Naira just for to kind of look at some Spanish um, press for this and kind of translate a little bit for me because there was a couple of holes in it that I wasn't quite sure of. And when it was translated, I think to English, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. So thank you so much, Naira. And this is for you. Um, isn't it crazy that Naira was in snow last week, the heaviest snow in Spain since like the seventies. And I'm sweltering down here. I wish I was over there. So when she recommended this case and I first looked it up last year, I saw that this woman was murdered on the Camino and I thought I'll have to do that because the Camino is one of my travel bucket list items that I want to do at some point um, when I'm probably a bit older. It's an amazing walk that you can do in Spain. And I've met many people who have done it on my travels and I've always asked them a lot of questions about it. And um, my mum, that's her number one bucket list item she's never done and she always talks about going to do the Camino. 
But unfortunately for Denise Theme, one of her bucket list items that she always wanted to do was the Camino as well. And she lost her life on the trail, which is a very rare thing to happen. It's an incredibly safe thing that hundreds of thousands of people per year do. So let's get into the case of Denise Pika Theme. So Denise Theme, she was a Chinese American woman who disappeared while hiking the Camino in Spain in 2015. She was born in Hong Kong and I don't know a whole lot about her other than the fact that she had a brother called Cedric who has been kind of the one who has got answers and gone over to Spain and got answers for his sister. So I can only presume that they were very close. At the time of her death, Denise was 41 years old and she had decided to go travelling around the world for a few months and she'd set off um, and she'd left her job behind at her home in Phoenix, Arizona. And she was born in Hong Kong, but she was pretty much raised in Phoenix. Um, for those of my Phoenix listeners, she came from Litchfield Park. So she set off to travel the world. Now, Denise was born on August the 8th and she had, to kind of describe her, she had long dark hair, she's quite small, she's only 155 centimetres, which I think is probably about five foot two or three, so she's a very kind of slight little woman. Um, I believe her family is quite private because I don't know a whole lot of personal information about Denise, other than the fact that she had a brother, Cedric, I couldn't find her parents' names, but she was close to her family and she was a go-getter, and Cedric said that his sister, quote, likes travelling and knows how to travel, that's what he said at the time of her disappearance. Now, according to NPR, which did amazing work, um, not only did they do it, but the Arizona Central did most of the heavy lifting on the American side um, because that's where she was from. So according to NPR, Denise theme, she was inspired to walk the Camino, like a lot of people were, after seeing the 2011 movie The Way, which I have seen before with Martin Sheen. And this movie is about an American's journey um, along the Camino de Santiago, which is the full name for it. And after that, her family and friends say she just wanted to do the Camino walk, which I'll get into in a little bit what it's about. NPR said, quote, she had learned that the Camino was all <clears throat> was a very enlightening experience, said Desiree Yao, Denise's cousin. Quote, she was traveling for a couple of months around the world, so the Camino was her last stop, and then afterwards she was supposed to fly back home, unquote. So this is where I'm going to get into a little bit about what the Camino is. Now, we have been to Spain before um, for the Amy Fitzpatrick case. Amy was the teenager who disappeared in Malaga, um, living there. She was from Ireland originally. She went missing after walking home to the house she shared with her brother, her mum, and her stepdad. Her stepdad ended up going and killing her brother later. Most people suspect that he's the one that did something to Amy, but that was down in Malaga, which is kind of the opposite side of the country and on the coast, um, on the Costa Brava. Now, this part, we're going up to kind of northwestern Spain. Now, if you don't know, Spain is a country in Europe. It is on the Iberian Peninsula. It is one of the top destinations in Europe to go to. Um, it's home to cities such as Madrid, Barcelona, which I've lucky... I've been lucky enough to go to, um, Seville, Valencia, and many more. And then, of course, there's, it's very famous for its islands, um, Mallorca, Ibiza, Benidorm, is that where the palms all go? So Spain is a cultural melting pot. It has a lot of Arab influences um, from 
ancient times in architecture that you find in cities like, I think it's Alhambra and Granada. Spain is the largest country in Southern Europe, the second largest country in Western Europe and the European Union, and the fourth largest country by area on the European continent. But for this part, um, we're going to Northwestern Spain to look at what the Camino is. Now, the Camino, the full name for it is the Camino de Santiago, and it is a one of the most popular bucket list items in the world, and it's also one of the most safe, you know, walks or hikes you can do. Camino, the word Camino in Spanish means way, and Camino de Santiago means the way of St. James. So basically, there is, depending on who you believe, between seven and nine routes in northwestern Spain. They start at different points. They're all different lengths and you can choose the one that suits you. You then walk, you know, this path, this trail. Some of them are a thousand kilometers. Some of them are only 120 kilometers, but they all lead to the same place. And this is the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela, um, which is an ancient Celtic city in northwest Spain. Now, Denise never made it to this final location, but this location is where many believe that St. James is entombed. Now, to do the Camino, you don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to um, be loaded either, um, but you also don't need to find your way to this place. So the most popular trails, which I'll get into in a minute, and you'll want to keep in mind for this case, they're all marked with yellow arrows that point you in the right direction, you know, when to go ahead, when to turn. Now, the Camino is one of the main major tourist economic, you know, drivers for Spain. And I was reading a study that said that Spain has one of the highest unemployment rates in Europe. And when I went there, I think in 2014, 13, sorry, um, there was a lot of young people just hanging around, even though it was, you know, weekdays and things like that. So I looked it up and it turns out that it has one of the highest unemployment rates. So this study found that many Spanish people actually walk it, not just, you know, as tourists in their own country, but also people who are unemployed and don't have a whole lot else to do. And you can do it on quite a budget. It's also really safe to walk as you're often walking in villages or in cities, passing through cities or villages. You're not out in, you know, the middle of absolute nowhere in the wilderness. But this isn't a traditional hiking experience like most because sometimes you are walking on roads, on the sides of roads. I've watched a lot of videos of people walking it. There's cars, there's people. And I read a kind of study about people who have died on the Camino and Denise is one of I think the only one that has been murdered in recent years on the Camino, but a lot of people get hit by cars and that's generally the cause of death for people walking it. Now, the longest one takes around 30 to 35 days to walk and that's if you're walking at between 25 and 27 kilometres per day. Some people take it a lot easier just to, you know, walk through these beautiful areas and towns and countryside and explore it. I'd be doing it a lot slower. Some people do it to try to do it as quickly as possible. What's the point of that? You can walk at whatever pace you want. And along the way, you stay at these hostels and you, you can book ahead, but you don't have to. It's just this kind of spiritual experience for a lot of people. And that's why the people who walk the Camino are referred to as pilgrims. Um, and it's a very, 
a lot of people form really strong friendships walking it and they all look out for each other, these pilgrims. Um, they often, you know, meet up and walk part of the route together. Couples walk it, single people walk it, groups walk it. Um, and a lot of people do it on a serious budget. And they just buy food, like basics at supermarkets along the way, which is the kind of cheaper way of doing it. But for a lot of people, it's a spiritual experience and it's one of reflection, internal reflection. And a lot of people like to do it on their own because it's this amazing pilgrimage um, where people really just switch off, switch off their phones. And a lot of them do that and, you know, just walk it and have a lot of, I guess, internal reflection. So when I was in Thailand last time, I met this Russian guy at this bar and, um, well, he was staying at the hotel I was staying at, but he was at the bar at the hotel and he just finished the route that Denise was walking, um, the French way, um, which I'll get into in a minute. And I was asking him about it and I, like, he just kept answering me. It's the way it's the way. And I, I was getting really like fed up with him. He, he, I kind of lost his marbles a bit walking it, I think, but he walked the entire thing um, and he barely spent any money. So I found most sources say there are seven official routes. Some say there are nine. Some people only walk a portion of one of the routes. Um, I think you have to walk 120 kilometers in total at least to get your certificate to finish it. Um, but it's a network of routes, basically. Um, according to followthecamino.com, quote, throughout the Middle Ages, thousands of pilgrims walked from their homes to make their pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela. This paved the way for many disparate routes across Europe, all coming together like branches of a tree to arrive in what is now a developed city around the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela. An exception to this is the Finisterra Way, which begins in Santiago, walking towards the coast to Cape Finisterre or the end of the world as it was known in ancient times. So the reason that this Russian guy pissed me off in Kosamui was because he was basically saying, I was asking him where he started it from or where you start it from because I didn't really understand that there were so many routes that you can start at different points. And he kept saying, you start from where you live. And I was like, I, I can't start walking from Australia because we're an island. But let's continue. So these routes, um, the official routes, here are nine of them. So the most popular one, the one that Denise was doing was the Camino Francis. This is 780 kilometers. I can't tell you what that is in miles, but it's more. Or less. It's more. There's the Camino Portuguese, um, that's 600 kilometers. And there's a couple that start in Portugal, a couple that start in France. Um, the Camino Portuguese Coastal, where you go up the Portuguese coast from Lisbon, that's only 178 kilometers. Camino del Norte, 466 kilometers. The Camino Primitivo, 315 kilometers. Via de la Plata, 1,000 kilometers, which is the longest one. Via Podienses, 452 kilometres, Camino Finisterra, 90 to 118 kilometres, and Camino Inglés, which is 120 kilometres. So Denise was doing the second longest one, which is 780 kilometres. So according to followthecamino.com, quote, while those travelling on the Camino for religious reasons are now in the minority, people walking the Camino are still known as pilgrims or peregrinos locally. People walk in groups, alone or with a partner. It's also possible to travel on the Camino by bicycle or by horseback. 
The Camino is well known for its sense of community and sociable atmosphere. Pilgrims passing by will greet each other with a welcome of Buen Camino, loosely translated as have a great experience on the Camino, and so conversations with strangers are easily started, unquote. And there's a lot of online forums where they join up before they walk it. So, you know, they meet up with people along the way. It's really quite beautiful. So people will choose their route depending on the weather, how much time they've got, how much money they've got. Um, and different ones are a bit more difficult to walk. So the first section of the one that Denise was doing, the Camino Francis, um, there's quite a mountainous part. Um, and then if you want to walk along the sea, that's the Portuguese coastal way is the one you do it. Um, but the most common one is the one that Denise was doing. And this begins at Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port in France. And it, it the, if you want to do the whole bulk of it, it's 500 miles um, through four of Spain's 15 regions, which I'm pretty familiar with um, through my work that I do with Naira. Um, and this ends up, as I said, at the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela in Galicia, which is one of the regions of Spain. And this one is called the French Way. That's what it means. So if you want to know a little bit more about the one that Denise was walking, the Camino Francis, quote, the Camino Francis or the French way is the most popular Camino route, although the name can be confusing as the route is mostly walked in Spain. It is called the Camino Francis as it begins in France, where many French pilgrims would have traditionally begun their Camino. Starting in Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port on the French side of the Pyrenees, it's by far the most travelled with over 60% of pilgrims on the Camino choosing the Camino Francis. The French Way is a remarkable and spectacular route, traversing both mountainous and flat terrain. This Camino tour passes through some of the most beautiful parts of Spain, including great cities like Pamplona, Lyon and Bourgogne. It also goes through many very important pilgrimage towns like Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port, Legrono, Ponferrada and Saria. The most travelled of all Camino sections in the last is the last 100 kilometres on the Camino Francis. The reason for this is twofold. The Camino Francis is the most popular route and because travelling the last 100 kilometres of the Camino means that a pilgrim can attain the award of a pilgrim certificate. This part of the Camino is well trodden and has many services such as hotels, cafes and restaurants along the way. The Camino Francis is also popular because it is the route which Martin Sheen travels in the popular movie The Way, an inspiring watch in which Martin Sheen's character Tom, an American doctor, travels along the Camino to honour his son, finding an adventure of his own with a profound impact, unquote. The best Martin Sheen movie is The Departed. That scene where he goes flying off the roof in front of DiCaprio is a really scary scene. So 50% of pilgrims who complete the French way only walk the last hundred kilometers. So that's how they get their certificate. But I don't know which Denise was doing. I believe she was doing the whole lot um, by herself, but that's quite incredible that only 50% of people do the whole lot. So you have to feel pretty special when you do that. Now, if you're wondering where you stay, you travel through villages and cities and that, and there are albergues. I don't know how to say it. Albergues. Help me, Naira. And these are basically hostels where you can get a very budget um, bed with other pilgrims, you know, in the hostel room. You can book ahead. You can stay in hotels if you want. It's entirely up to you. There's almost always beds. But when 
Denise was traveling, it was not peak season in summer. So it's probably more likely that you're going to get the place you want to stay um, if you travel not in peak season. So this is basically a hostel with shared facilities. It's it's basically like any other hostel in the world. But these public ones, alberges or however you call it, um, they're only for pilgrims um, who are walking it. So you're more likely to, you know, get a bed because you're a pilgrim. Now, it's only about seven euros for pilgrims to go in a shared room, which is probably about, I don't know, $10 um, or 10 to 12 euros for a single room. I would be opting for a single room. I would not be in the mood for talking after walking like 30 kilometers that day. You can also stay in hostels, as I said. And I also looked up, I saw this thing called a backpack delivery service. Now, you can walk the Camino, but if you can't be bothered carrying your backpack because you've been traveling, I could never have walked the Camino with the backpack that I had traveling around Europe for three months. I couldn't have walked one kilometer with that thing without putting it down. There's a backpack delivery service where they can carry it to the next stop for you, which is which is really cool and probably a nicer way to explore it without like 30, kilo, 30 kilograms of shit on your back. So I asked Naira if she had done it, but she said her mum has done it the Camino and she has several friends who have done it. Um, she said it was, they all said it was a beautiful experience. She said, last year I went to Santiago de Compostela with my boyfriend and we were in front of the cathedral and we saw a woman that was in, in a state of enlightenment. She was happy crying. I guess it depends a lot on the reason why you start the trip for a lot of people. It is a life-changing experience. Um, and yeah, kind of that's how much it means to people. Now, as I said earlier, very few people have died on the Camino and most of them have either been, you know, heart attack, you know, sudden heart attack or stroke or something like that, being hit by a car. But I couldn't find any that had been murdered. I'm sure there have been, but it is renowned for being so safe because Spanish people are amazing. You know, Italians are amazing. Greeks are amazing. They'll take you into your home, you know, at the drop of a hat. They're beautiful people and so kind. And not all of them because it was a Spanish person who murdered Denise. But, you know, you're walking through villages and cities where there's always people around. So it is safe. And if you don't feel safe, I'm sure that you can always click up with, you know, other pilgrims. So let's get into Denise and her time on the Camino. Now, I don't know where Denise, you know, other than her starting her world trip in Asia at the start of her few months away, um, that would have been probably at the start of 2015, but she arrived in Spain in, you know, April, and this was her final kind of stop on her world trip that she was taking. She didn't have a job to go back to or anything like that, and sometimes that's the best way to do it. Now, as I said earlier, this isn't peak season for the Camino, but it is spring, and this it would have been, you know, beautiful weather, um, lower prices generally when you go and less crowds, less people, um, which is always a good thing. Now, Denise um, was meet- was meeting other pilgrims along the way. She'd had chats with a lot of them. She'd even kept in touch with one that had gone back to England. As I said earlier, Denise was walking the French Trail, the French Way, um, also called the St. James Way. And at the time of her disappearance, she had 155 miles left on her trek. So she was doing the entire thing. According to the Find Denise Facebook, which there's not a lot of posting on it anymore, 
Denise was last heard from on the 4th of April 2015. This was when she emailed a woman that she'd met on the Camino, an English woman who had returned home, I believe. And she emailed her saying hello from Astorga, which is a kind of little medieval town in northwestern Spain um, on the way. She planned to go to Mass the following morning, which was Easter Sunday, the 5th of April 2015. And then she was going to head to a little town called El Ganzo. Now, the reason that they know about these emails and that was the last time she was heard from was because Denise's brother, Cedric, which is really smart, he had access to her email. He had her password, which is a really, I think, probably important thing I've never done, giving someone your password before you go anywhere or having someone have it just in case something happens to you. So when Denise went missing, she, Cedric was able to access her emails and that was the last one she sent on the evening of the 4th of April. Um, and she seemed to be kind of in good spirits. Now, the last hiker or pilgrim to see Denise was an Italian traveller called Giorgio Cadoni. Um, he had met her on April 4th when she checked into the same inn that he was staying at in Astorga. Um, it was, it could be Yorgos, could be, that's Greek though. I think it's Giorgio. His second time walking the Camino. And after her disappearance, when he heard about her disappearance, he wrote a letter about meeting Denise. So I'm going to read that to you now. Quote, I arrived at Astorga the afternoon of April 4th from Lyon, where I had gone to an incredible celebration for Good Friday. I checked into the San Javier Hostel where I had stayed before. In the courtyard, there were a few washes and I took my laundry. An Asian woman, Denise Thiem, soothed the pain in her feet in a basin with warm water and salt. We introduced ourselves as often happens in the Camino. She's American and my English is absolutely limited. I excuse myself, but she calms me down by excusing herself for her non-existent Italian. I ask her about her feet and blisters. I urge her to get food ready for the next day on Easter Sunday in case the shops are closed. Actually, now everything is open, even on holidays. I hang my laundry to dry while she continues to treat her feet, enjoying what little sunlight filters in the hostel's courtyard. I then leave to go out on the town, but before we make plans to meet for dinner. We ordered the cod and mushrooms. The tiredness from the day lightens up and we begin a challenging conversation. I, with my limited English, struggled terribly to find the right words. Denise, attentively, strained to understand my horrible pronunciation. We were able to talk about the day spent walking. Denise told me about her international origins, Philippines, Hong Kong, US. I spoke of my family in Italy, my recently married daughter, my wife and our 40th wedding anniversary recently celebrated with a trip to Barcelona. I remember Denise's amazement as she asked how it was possible to stay 40 years with the same person. It was hard to come up with a response with my English. It was even difficult when she asked me to tell her why I was at the Camino and for the second time. The dinner was not short, not because of the food, which we had finished quickly, but because of the difficulty of the conversation as well as the pleasure of her company. I said I was going to Easter Mass on the, fourth, on the morning of April 5th. I am Catholic. She asked to come with me, but doesn't allow me to ask her what her religion is. We agreed to meet for breakfast at the coffee shop next to the restaurant the next morning. Then we go back to San Javier and fall asleep right away, unquote. And... I don't actually, I believe she probably did meet him the following morning, um, but I don't have the rest of that letter, unfortunately. Um, and I think that was it. So he really saw her on the last morning that anyone saw her. 
Now, Denise disappeared from the Camino on April 5th, 2015 in a rural area of northwestern Spain's Lyon province. I think it's Castilla de Lyon. No, I was not going to be happy with how I'm pronouncing this. So according to most sources, she attended the mass in the morning on April 5th, Easter Sunday, um, and they kind of had performances and stuff like that. She took that in. And after that, she was going to visit um, a kind of small little village off the main road. So she was going to take a little detour, and that's what one source has. Um, Now, she was going to travel Basically, she disappeared um, in the province of Lyon between the villages of Astorga and Alganso, and it took quite a while for people to really notice she was gone. But ultimately, her backpack was disappeared with Denise, um, and her bank cards were not accessed any time after April fifth, two thousand and fifteen. Now, I am unsure of who reported Denise missing, but I have to presume it was her brother or her parents because they were probably used to keeping in touch with her because she was on her own walking the Camino. But it did did take a while for Spanish police to start searching due to the nature of the Camino's kind of spiritual experience where people aren't connected to their phones 24-7. So they probably do tell people you know, chill out, they'll get in touch. And that's generally what happens. Um, So according to NPR, they spoke to this guy called Ivar Revki, and he's a Norwegian who lives in Spain. And he runs the biggest Camino web forum where all different pilgrims kind of connect, current pilgrims, past pilgrims, where they all stay in touch and things like that. He told NPR, quote, so many times I get messages from parents at home worried. Usually what happens is after a week, the mum comes back into the forum saying everything is fine. And in the beginning, I thought this was a similar situation. But after two weeks, three weeks, we were starting to get a bit worried, unquote. Now, once he was alerted to this, Rev Key, he emailed all of his current and past hikers who were on the forum with him, about 5,000 of them, asking if any of the current ones had seen Denise or you know, when they could last pinpoint seeing her. Now, usually the Camino is very safe, but this was really the first time where people started responding, telling him that they'd had bad experiences on the Camino. And the problem was a lot of them hadn't reported it. A lot of people don't report things happening, you know, in Spain um, or, you know, when they're traveling or things like that. Um, My stepmom, she was robbed in Spain in Madrid when she was in her 20s and the stress of it, she had a um, Bell's palsy like that she still has today. But ultimately, you know, no one had heard from Denise and they, they started an investigation and people have, you know, posted on the forums and on the Define Denise Facebook page about walking the Camino and seeing her picture, you know, stuck to posts, you know, all along the Camino. Once that they did start, you know, this investigation. And I don't have clarification, but I believe her family, you know, flew over to Spain. There was not a trace of Denise after the April 5th, 2015, uh, for many, many months. Police and searchers searched the entire, you know, the rest of the Camino path, all out of the town of Astorga, where she was last seen. This is a really easy walk. It's not, you know, hilly. It's a very kind of straight path. So they did expect to be able to find some belongings of Denise if she dropped anything along there, but nothing. Locals of Astorga and Lyon opened their arms to Denise's family, you know, and searches, as is the way of, you know, Mediterranean people, you know, or European people. Concha Alonso, who ran the hostel where Denise had spent 
her last night, said, quote, I feel horrible. She left with all the other hikers that morning. Since then, the police have been constantly searching for clues, unquote. As I said, photos of Denise were pasted, you know, on the rest of her trail, asking fellow hikers to contact the local police if they had seen her. And the family set up the Find Denise Facebook page, which is still active, but, you know, there's not many posts on it beyond the end of this case that I'll be telling you. Now, this was when people started to report back and this is one of the things that me and Naira couldn't really quite figure out. So two other women came forward who had also walked the the same trail, who had been previously reported being assaulted along the same stretch of road by a man that matched the description of the person who would ultimately be arrested. Now, the way that it's reported, it's not made clear if they came out after Denise went missing or they had reported this before because the way it's worded, it says that this man had been taken in for questioning and then let go, you know, previously to Denise's case. So there was a man who lived, you know, along this trail and he often, from what I could find, was not happy with tourists, you know, walking the Camino past, you know, his village or whatever. He often like yelled at them as they walked past, hassled them, um, sexually kind of suggestive shit. Um, he, these two women said that this man who I'll get into in a minute had assaulted them, um, or been quite sexually aggressive towards them. And I believe them. So, Five months later, when there was not a trace of Denise still left, and I believe the case in Spain was kind of, they'd been drawing, you know, searches away from it and it was going a bit cold. Senator John McCain, who has now died, he was a US senator in Arizona. He kind of brought this case back to life, so to speak. He made a renewed appeal for the FBI to be allowed to be sent to Spain to help the Spanish police if they couldn't find Denise. But this kind of kicked the Spanish police into gear because they didn't want to be shown up. So they said, no, no, it's fine. You don't have to come over. And it wasn't long after that that they found Denise. So that brings us to September 1st, 2015. And it was months before at the start of April that Denise had last been seen kind of going for a walk outside the town of Astorga. So five months after Denise's disappearance, police in Spain finally made an arrest, which I think probably came as quite a a shock to people that something had suddenly happened in the case. And they arrested a man called Miguel Angel Munoz Blas, 41. Can you believe that we just did a case with a guy called Miguel Angel and then the complete opposite of that guy comes up in the form of a complete monster. But the thing that stood out to me was that he was 41 and so was Denise. Now, Spanish police arrested him. Um, he lived on a farm just outside of the town of Castrillo de Polvazares. Now, this man was the man who matched the description of the guy who had assaulted two women previously on the trail, had yelled at tourists as they ran past, um, as they walked past and, you know, not really what you're used to in this area with really lovely people. Um, now, this is the part that really creeps me out and it's just so beyond evil and sinister. So when I told you earlier that the most well-marked trails for the Camino have yellow arrows that are basically painted on the trail so that you know you're going the right direction. A man had been painting yellow arrows in the wrong direction off the main trail to kind of lure tourists 
off the trail towards his farmhouse and they believed that this man was Miguel Angel. Now, he was ultimately arrested for a thing that I'll get into in a minute, but basically it was, I think, a very small mistake that he made that ultimately led to his arrest, and I'll get into that in a minute. So once they took him in for questioning, Miguel quickly confessed to the murder of Denise Picatheme. This is his story. Miguel claimed that Denise appeared on his property, quote, lost and asking for help to find her way back to the pilgrimage route, unquote. Now, from there, his lawyer started speaking for him and he said, quote, he claims she asked him to show her the way, then got nervous and somehow, and this has not been made clear, it ended up with him hitting her, unquote. He then, his lawyer then told the press in Spain that he had then picked up a stick and hit Denise with a stick. And when she fell to the ground, he picked up a stone and basically slammed it on her head. After realising that she was not breathing, he buried her in front of his house. And that was his story. But then the lawyer said he then moved her from where she was buried in front of his house. He carried her to a more isolated area of his farmland and he reburied her, but not very well. His lawyer said, quote, she was naked. I am not sure why. He burnt her clothes and her backpack, unquote. Can you imagine being a defense lawyer? Like, I mean, you'd have to be a complete piece of shit to just sit there and formulate these fucking lies to make a monster seem like they're innocent and the innocent person seem like a monster. Now, after that, he rummaged through Denise's stuff, her backpack, things like that. She had cash on her that was in US dollars. She had around a thousand US dollars cash on her. A lot of people carry cash on them, you know. And days after murdering her, he went into town and he exchanged these at a currency exchange for euros. Now, the thing that I didn't think of that Naira kind of brought to my attention was the thing that police kind of got him on was when he signed, you know, at the currency exchange, you have to sign something. He signed to exchange these US dollars to euros. And this is what led to his ultimate arrest. Now, They said that during the interrogation, um, at one point, quote, he crouched down and began to cry, whimpering, what have I done, unquote. Another police officer later on would say that during it, um, when he confessed to it, he told the police, quote, calm down, calm down, I'll take you there, unquote. That's kind of similar. My brother always used to tell me to calm down when I was legitimately upset about something. It's such a kind of demented, twisted thing to do to someone. Um, so he ultimately led police to Denise Picatheme's body the same day as he was arrested and he confessed. And the police were able to dig up the partially buried body of Denise on this farm. Now, the horrible thing that clearly he hadn't said in his confession um, that they still don't, they have not found is that Denise's hands were removed. They were, I don't know, I guess, sawn off. Um, she had been beaten very hard and her throat had been cut. Um, but the cause of death was actually serious brain damage from the beating. (sighs) They believed that he had removed her hands, which is, you know, pretty obvious in an attempt to, if they found her body to hinder identification of her using fingerprints. Um, and he, they also believed that he probably knew enough to know that a struggle would have indicated that his DNA was under her fingernails. So, you know, that's why that's why they didn't. Now, ultimately, DNA tests would confirm that the remains found on 
this piece of shit's farm wore of Denise theme. Um, and the postmortem report stated that the blow to her head that he had confessed to was probably the cause um, of her death. Now, to kind of describe this guy, I will put the pictures, the pictures in. Um, I'm just bringing it up. He actually looks like a guy that I, I used to know. Um, I'll put the pictures in Patreon, but he just looks like a little short weirdo. And people said that he was, you know, a recluse and he was kind of a lone wolf and a bit of a nutter. Um, and he does kind of look like that. Now, the same day, I think that he was arrested and her body was found or in the same week, a large memorial was held for Denise in the town of Astorga, where she was last seen. Um, and a special mass was dedicated to Denise at the Santiago de Compostela, which was the cathedral, which was the end point of the Camino that she was walking. Um, and I, I just can't imagine that. I just can't even think that she would ever imagine that when she was walking that one day they'd have a mass for her there because she wasn't there anymore. Now that brings us to the trial um, of Miguel Munoz. Now, before his trial, as with many of these monsters, he very quickly realised that shit was real. And he started saying that he was innocent and the police had forced him to confess. Now, when they said to him, well, you led us to her body on your farm, so how can you explain that? He really couldn't explain that. Now, Miguel Munoz was charged for the murder of Denise and also the robbery of that thousand US dollars that he went and got changed, not thinking that he would be signing something that would ultimately, you know, lead back to him because why the fuck would this idiot in the middle of nowhere who's a hermit have US dollars on him? Now, the trial took place over three weeks and more than a thousand witnesses stepped forward. I presume these are people, you know, who tracked her last movements, other people who had walked the Camino, things like that. The prosecutor had called for 25 years for Miguel, which is just not enough. And they also have a private prosecution in Spain, which demanded 27 years. Now, the prosecutor started out his, you know, speaking at the start of the trial by saying, quote, Munoz is going to lie to you because he has lied in the past. This is a case of murder because there was malice. Denise was a slight woman, 1.55 metres tall, a foreigner in an unfamiliar spot and she suffered a savage surprise attack. The victim's body was found thanks to the defendant's indications, unquote. No shit. Now, the court, I think, had to see pictures of Denise's body minus her hands, which is just a horrible thing um, that you'd, you'd never want to see. Um, now, this is when Miguel Munoz started giving his shitty, you know, version of events, which is clearly a lie. He, they put forward him basically saying in the interrogation in videos, he had said that Denise had come across as quote unquote aggressive to him and she was acting like he was suspicious of him according to El Mundo. So I guess he's saying that she had asked for his help getting back. This could be true. Maybe she realised that he had a nutty vibe and she wanted to get away. Maybe because she, you know, is short, she was kind of being a little bit like, get the, you know, you got to put your foot down at some point. Now, Miguel said that at the time he killed her, he was drunk. He said he picked up a stick and he beat her over the head with it. Now, he said that he then dragged her body from the road where they, where she was standing to a more secluded area. Um, and then he thought she was dead, but she was actually still alive. He slit her throat, quote, so she wouldn't suffer, unquote. Like, you know, cattle. 
He said he also confirmed that he cut off her hands. By the way, those have never been found in case they contained any DNA evidence that could link police to him. He said he then stripped Denise naked and burnt her clothes, um, her backpack and her bag. He told them, quote, I vomited. I felt like a monster, unquote. A jury of eight women and one man returned a unanimous guilty verdict after a trial that lasted three weeks. Miguel Angel Munoz Blas, 41, was convicted by a court of law in Lyon, and this happened in 2017, and he was sentenced to a grand total of 23 years. Talk about shitty sentences, that's on par with Australia. Her brother issued a statement that I found on the find, Help Us Find Denise Facebook page that I'll read to you because I don't want to end up, end the case talking about that monster. So Cedric wrote, quote, April 5th, 2015 was the last day my sister was seen. Two years later on the same day, we have the verdict guilty. My family has been very fortunate to have received so much support for the last two years. This was the hardest thing we as a family have ever faced. And in our darkest time, we have received so much love from all over the world. All the hard work, advice and help people have given will never be forgotten. And we are forever grateful. My sister meant the world to us. And today we are given the chance to get some closure, knowing that the trust we put into just into the justice system was well placed. Even though we will never get over having Denise taken from us in such a way, we know we still have each other and together we will do our best to move forward. We hope that the Camino will never experience something like this again so that people from all over can experience it like it was supposed to. Someday I think I will finish my sister's journey and remember the Camino as a pilgrimage in a beautiful country made up of warm, loving people like what I have experienced in my brief time in Astorga. Thank you. That's class. Now, to wrap up, a US nonprofit organization called Peaceable Projects Inc. Um, they established a memorial for Denise just outside of Astorga. Um, and I saw this Facebook kind of post from years ago that asked them to carry a shell, you know, on their journey. And then at the, you know, when they got to Astorga to leave the shell at the memorial. And her brother, Cedric, wrote the epitaph, which is on the memorial. I was just reading through so many messages on the Find Denise Facebook page, just throughout the years of people, all these beautiful people from all over the world, leaving these beautiful messages of support to her family, many who had walked the trail, a number of women who posted that, you know, they were one day behind Denise on the trail and you know, that moment of realising that it could be anyone and it sadly was Denise. And they, a lot of them said that in the years following, you know, they would feel Denise's energy as they walked through, you know, that part in Astorga. Denise was ultimately returned to Arizona. Her brother Cedric flew over to Spain to bring her back in February 2016. To wrap up, in case you haven't got it from my tone, I believe almost... 0.1% of what Miguel Munoz said. I believe that he painted those arrows on the road, you know, like a psychopath to lure, hopefully a woman off the trail for him. I believe he probably lured people in the past, but they were either men or, you know, they were kind of fit and quick and he didn't think that he could do what he wanted to do to them. I don't know if Denise was raped, but I can only presume that he got up close to her enough for her to scratch him and that's why he removed her hands. 
I think that's just so fucking disgusting. Um, and it just made me so incredibly sad that she was doing this, this thing that 300,000 people a year do. And she, you know, just wanted to kind of visit this little medieval, you know, village that she wanted to go to off the path a bit. But then when she couldn't find her way back onto it, it just happened to be him that she asked, um, on his, you know, farm. And I think he probably, you know, very quickly just walked out there and overpowered her. Um, I don't believe, you know, the part about so that she wouldn't suffer. I think that he probably enjoyed it. I probably, I don't believe that he hit her once with a stick. I'm presuming that from, you know, to have multiple, you know, parts of brain damage, you need to hit them kind of repeatedly. I think he probably just hated tourists there. He felt like he owned that land. He hated them walking past. And if it wasn't her, it would have been, you know, another woman just happened to be her. And no matter where you go in the world, there's psychos, you know, everywhere. You just don't know when you, when you travel, you kind of have that laissez-faire attitude that it's not going to happen. And I've been to 25 countries and I've, I've never, you know, had someone come up and, you know, hit me with a stick. Whenever I've asked people for directions, I've always got them, except for this guy in Poland who just pretty much stuck his finger up at me. Um, I've, you know, you just don't know. And it's, it's the luck of the draw. And I, I don't really know what else to say, but I do want to say, like her brother said in that statement, people should continue to enjoy the Camino. And I don't think stories like this or like the two, you know, Scandinavian tourists who were killed in Morocco, those young girls, I don't think they should be warnings to women travelling alone because then people like Miguel Munoz win. Um, I mean, I'm sure that he's assaulted people in the past. He was just gearing up to murder someone ultimately um, and he should have been stopped sooner when people had reported it, but because when people travel, they don't report things as much. Tourists should have reported him. Um, and you should always report something if you see it, even if you're not from that country, you have every right to go to the police station. But women, you know, traveling solo, like Denise was doing, like I'm doing, I've really, I really started to like Denise. Traveling solo is such a joy. You're not chained down to anyone. You you can just up and go as you want, spend your money as you want, eat at whatever restaurant you want. You will always meet people along the way like Denise was doing. Um, and these stories shouldn't, shouldn't put you off. Um, they should, I hate this word, but they should empower you to, to do it in spite of stories like this. So go to the website at unknownpassagepodcast.com. I'll put up Denise's page shortly. Um, become a patron. It links off the website, but also you can just go on the Patreon app and search Unknown Passage Podcast. There's a one, two and five dollar a month tier available also in euros and pounds, US dollars, can't remember, um, on there. And yeah, so the next episode won't be out for a while, probably a week, because it's a big one. It's a big one. And um, it's a case I've wanted to do it's pretty much one of the first cases on my spreadsheet. It's a case that as it was going on, I was obsessed with and I'm still interested. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, another cautionary tale for women, unfortunately. So yeah, I will be back. Cinnamon's brushing against my feet. Say hello. Cinnamon's silent. Yoko's the one that talks. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you next week.